What's going on, internet? How are you all today? It is that random bloke in a shed, because I never introduce myself as that bloke in a shed anymore. We're not in the shed anymore. It's fucking cold outside. It's like negative three by the time I set out to record, so we've relocated into the house for uh, the cold winter months. How are we all? I hope you're all doing well out there. Obviously, some things are happening in the world, uh, especially in Britain, with like more COVID measures again. I hope you're all okay and, you know, stay strong. If you need to talk, you know what my email is. But today we are at episode 14. It's amazing, 14 episodes of this shit. I'm going to have to start taking socks off and counting. I've... Yeah, because I'm an idiot apparently is how I portray this. So today we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart and that is Norse mythology and I love the Norse mythology. We're going to call it Norse mythology, it's not the... Correct term, some people say, but whatever. I mean, I've got fucking Nordic-style ink, so... Fuck what they say. Uh, like, yeah, I really care about the topic. I've got, like, an entire sleeve of tattoos of that style, so... I know quite a bit about the mythology. I've read... I, I really enjoyed reading Neil Gaiman's... Um, or Gaiman's, I don't know how he pronounced his name. I really enjoyed reading his Norse mythology book. It's absolutely fantastic. And we're going to talk about... The Ice Giants, the Frost Giants, the Jotnar. I'm going to say, right now, I'm going to butcher the fuck out of some pronunciations here. I'm just going to do an overview of the Jotnar, some of the more notable ones, maybe like a little dip into some of the stories, because I'm thinking I'll do a little little mini-series someday of just telling stories of Viking legend and shit like that. So, without any further ado, I'm not even going to introduce the sound guy, fuck that guy, he's a dick. Ah, my self-depreciating humour. Fantastic. Episode 14, happy you're here. Like, whoever's listening to this, I appreciate you. Even if if no one else does, fuck those guys. You don't need them. I appreciate you sitting, usually in a shed. You're the man, slash whatever you want to be. Fuck everyone else. So, Norse legends, giants, Jotnar, Jotunheim. Again, I'm going to try and say things right, but... But we, we both know it's not going to happen, so just let this go. Cool, listen to that back, and I sounded creepy as shit. Just like in real life. Anyway, so, to begin this, to get to the origins of the Jotnar, or Jotun, you kind of have to go back to the very beginning of what the, I believe it was called the Asir religion at the time. I could be mistaken. Um, you have to go back to the beginning of where they fought and believed the world was founded. And that was uh, with the giant Ymir, who was and is described as being larger than your mind could imagine. So however big you think something is, it's bigger. As big as you think anything could ever be and possibly be, as big as the universe is, he's bigger. Uh, so it's a figure that defies any kind of rationality. But, you know, who needs rationality? Fuck that guy. Now... Ymir was the progenitor. To the north, there was a kingdom of darkness and cold. And to the south, a kingdom of fire, known as Mudspell. Which, I may have gotten the north and south directions wrong here, but that's not relevant, really. 
and Ymir resided in the centre of these with a giant cow because reasons. He sustained himself on the cow who sustained itself on licking the ice from the world of darkness and drinking the waters that formed when they reached the land of Mudspell. Now, eventually, Ymir, he gave birth to two beings whose names aren't relevant to the story. And they came out of his armpits, because one thing about Ymir you should know, he was genderless, but also had both genders, so I don't know what the technical term for that would be. But he reproduced asexually, to put it scientifically. Now, a bunch of bullshit happened to Ymir. And eventually he was killed by Odin, I think it was Odin, Bor, and another one of the progenitor gods. Name escapes me right now. I said, I know a lot about it, but names escape me sometimes. Because I don't have, like, I don't have a book right next to me. I can quickly, almost quickly read it. I try and do this as few cuts as possible. So, I'm not rooting around my house looking for books. So... He dies, and from him, the world is born. His brains become the clouds, his skull becomes the sky, his ribs become the mountains that surround the world, his blood becomes the oceans, so on and so forth. He is the creator of life in his death. He is the creator of the world in his demise. Now, that's the beginning. The first giant. Now he had a gaggle of kids and I'm not going to go into all of them so we're going to sort of jump away from the storyteller and we're going to talk about how they're described in Viking myths and it varies quite hard. Sometimes they're seen as these grotesque creatures that could have multiple heads, they have claws and fangs and terrible scary things Whereas others, like Mimir, who I think was a giant, pretty sure he was, uh, is, was known to be very wise and very well long-lived and just knew his way of the world. And he is the one who actually granted uh, Odin the ability of his foresight, his rune magic, and the knowledge he had. And he just knew shit, man. That's how I'm going to say. He just knew shit, man. So it varies, as does their size. For instance, sometimes they're described as you know, maybe being 20 foot tall. Other times we've got ones like, um, I think his name was Skrymir, Skymir, who was as big as the mountains, and when he snored there was earthquakes, and his, his gloves seemed like giant caverns from the inside. So, you know, it's it's not recently written lore or anything. It was, it was written like a thousand years ago, where legends were just grand. They were meant to seem grand, because it was almost this idea of, yeah, well, my god's harder than your god, yeah? Well, my god, he, he did this. What about yours? Yeah? Well, mine, he killed a giant that's as big as a fucking mountain. What are you going to do about it? Probably just go on a crusade or some shit. Ah. Didn't see this coming. That's a shame. But I digress. So, in appearance, they varied massively. In characteristics, they also varied massively. And this is something I like about ancient mythologies. The, say, the Greek pantheons and the Norse pantheons and Roman and a lot of these other older pantheons of gods. 
they were their stories were interesting in that they were almost as Stephen Fry once said they were human in their appetites I mean I was saying this is relatable or enjoyable but Zeus he used to just go out as a bull and fuck people Odin he dressed as an old man and seduced a giant so he could get some mead like they're not good people these gods and although they're meant to be on the side of good sometimes they're a bit ambiguous and that's why they're enjoyable because it makes them they're not two tone uh, sorry one tone characters it's not just oh um, they're the best thing ever and they're always good I mean I don't like to shit on religion because I think it's unfair for someone who is an atheist to shit on something they don't have a comprehension of belief in. But I feel some religions are a bit unimaginative, if you will. Give me give me the old fucking Greek pantheon, the Norse pantheon, any day of the week over pretty much any religion nowadays. Other maybe Buddhism, they're pretty chill dudes generally. That was a bit of a weird tangent into religion. I've forgotten what I was saying. Okay, we are back on track. I had to go answer the door and stop the dog screeching at me for a second. But in the meantime, I listened to myself. And yes, they varied massively in characteristics. Because they're kind of portrayed as being almost human in their thought processes. So, some of the giants, in most stories, they're portrayed as being the enemies of the gods. And quite famously in a few stories, I'll mention some examples... They fuck the gods over. They're always trying to fuck them over. They're trying to destroy Asgard. They're like, man, these guys, they're motherfuckers. These Vanir and Azir thinking they can mess with me. Um, I'm a questionable amount of height and questionable character and whatever. Whereas, also, in quite a few missed stories, gods end up marrying giants or breeding with giants. Even Thor, who... Or Dor. I'm going to say Thor, though. Who famously, in quite a lot of his stories, is like, ah, oh, I'm the giant slayer, bitches who just rolls around every day with his hammer going, man, I just really want to murder something today. Or eat something. Or drink something. I'm just going to do all three. I'm going to eat while I'm drinking mead and punching a giant with his own fist saying, stop hitting yourself. Four was a fucking bully. But Chris Hemsworth is incredibly handsome. Irrelevant, because Four is ginger and relatively fat. God of War. So... You know, the gods have kids with giants and marry them and breed them. Loki, as well, famously, had three kids of a giant who I think had nine heads. Mythology, guys, it's weird. I mean, you've got Fenrir, the, the dread wolf, who I think was anglicised into Fenris at one point. You've got um, Hela, uh, the half-dead girl who became Queen of Hell, or Helheim. And then you've got the, uh, let me try and say this right, Jormungandr. Or the Midgarsormer, the Midgard serpent that could insert a snake that could encircle the earth and was bah, massive and giant and bah, scary. And that's what I mean by variation of character. I mean, they vary like people do. And that's why these mythologies are interesting because everything is a variation of people. There's no one perfect being. I've said this already, I've got to stop repeating myself all the time. So, I'm now going to mention a few. A few of the stories that stand out to me. So one that would be the story of the builder and his magical horse. So, I've, like I've said before, I'm thinking of going forward. I might do it every now and then. I'll do like a little story time where I tell a story. Because I think that would be fun. That would be nice and relaxing for us all. 
So the story of the Builder goes as follows. The gods are in Asgard and having a meeting and they're like guys. Thor's on holiday, smashing giants in Jotunheim, which is the home of the giants. They lived in Jotunheim. We have a problem in that Thor is our most stout defender. We rely on him almost exclusively and we can't. We need to build a wall that will encircle all of Asgard and will be so tall and so strong and so thick that nothing could break through it. No ogre or Jotun or whatever. So they say, right, we'll build a wall then. And the gods decide this is too much work. It would take too long. It's too hard. We're now approached by a man who says, ah, oh, build your wall, guys. No problem. The gods ask what he wants in return, for they have great riches, they have great magical items, and he requests the sun, the moon, and the hand of Freya, one of the goddesses. Or is it Frigga? One of the two. I think it's Freya. Now, she is not behind this idea at all, being used as a bargaining chip for a fucking wall. However, the gods, they're crafty. Odin is crafty. And he says, deal, but conditions. You must have it done by the end of, I believe it's the end of the year. You can't ask anyone for help. No one may aid you. Da -da -da -da. Set some more conditions. And the man says, right, can I have my horse help me so he can help me pull the granite blocks? And they're like, yep, that's fine. Like, oh, how much can one horse do? So every day, the man makes progress. The first thing he does is he builds the foundation. He digs the hole of which the foundations will go in. His horse is grazing in the meadows. And he whistles once when it comes to him. And he sets off. And he comes back with his horse and his cart. Or sled. Yeah, sled. Laden with granite blocks. And the gods are... Ah, he'll never get it done. He, can, he can't lift them. They're too big for a mortal. But no. He slaps them in. He sets the wall. Ba -ba 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 -ba. And he begins to build the wall. And every day he makes more and more progress. So, I should mention, I just remembered, he has a summer, a winter, a summer and a winter, I believe. Because I don't think they had spring and autumn yet. I think it was just summer and winter. I might be getting this story a little bit wrong, but bear with me. Because in essence, it's right. So every day he comes back. He does some bits in the morning. He whistles for his horse who is grazing. And the horse comes over. And he goes up and gets granite. He makes such rapid progress, the gods are like, right, we've been tricked. There's, there's more to him that meets the eye. He's no mortal man, he is something different. And they went, well, gave our word, guys. And you know, this is bad. Odin swore on his arm ring, which is a sacred thing. And they said, Loki, this is your fault for convincing us of this. And Loki was like, hey, I haven't even been mentioned in the story yet, guys. How is this my fault? And that's the fault of the storyteller at this point, because he forgot you were in any way involved in this. But it's your fault, Loki. You convinced them to do this with your goddamn trickery. So, Thor basically, not Thor, sorry, Odin basically tells him, well, you know, you can either trick him and stop him building the wall, or you'll die. So, take a choice. And Loki was like, nah, this is an unforeseen circumstance, but it shall be done. I shall do this thing for you, uh, all father. So Loki tries to do a few bits to fuck him about, and it doesn't work. However, he comes up with an idea. This man's giant horse is a stallion. And what do we know about stallions, gentlemen and ladies? When someone is called a stallion, they are a randy bitch. 
So Loki transforms himself into a mare and starts fucking about, presenting itself alluringly to the stallion. The man pots about for the morning, goes, right, time to call my horse. How old? I've never had to whistle before. Twice. Again, there was nothing. So he goes, right, I guess I'll go down to the meadow myself. He goes down to the meadow himself to collect his horse. Only to find it's run off into the woods with a large mare. Uh, he's disheartened. He's like, right, I guess I'll just have to do it myself. I have to pull the sled myself. I'm a big, strong guy. I can do this. I should point out, at this point in the tale, he's one day away from completing the wall and one day until the end of his time limit. So he drags as much granite as he can and he strains and uh, he, tries, he pulls as much granite as he can. And the gods appear at the top of the wall to laugh at him because they know he has not got enough granite to finish the wall. And like, hey man, how are you going to get the sun and moon with that much granite? You, know, you need more than that. The man then realises and knows he has been tricked. And he calls out to the gods, you are traitors, you are cowards, you are you are oath-breakers, you have tricked me. And the gods went, well, you also tricked us, mate. You presented yourself as a man when we know you are not a man. The man then took on the form of a giant, picking up blocks of granite and smashing them in his fists, ready to do battle. At which point, the gods smile. And they call out to someone. Four. At which point the man's head is caved in by the hammer Mjolnir. Loki returned some months later with an eight-legged horse in tow that seemed to follow him almost like a, like it was bonded in a parental way. Yeah, we all know what happened there, and that is the horse Slipnir, the fourth child of Loki. And Slipnir became the war horse of Odin and became the king of all horses. And legend says, if you were to mention that part of the story, bad luck would befall you. However, I have enough bad luck in life. I fear no fucking god. So now, everyone, the question uh, comes forward. Do we have time for another story? I think we do. I think we can make this a bit longer than 20 minutes and tell another story. The story of the mead of poetry. The mead of the songwriter and the scholar. The mead of wisdom. I'm done making titles for this story now. So, the story begins after a war between the Aesir and the Vanir, the two kinds of gods. To seal a truce, which had been agreed upon, they all spat into a vat. Spat in a vat. Spat in a vat. I need to stop doing things like that when I'm trying to tell a story. Terrible. They all spat into a vat. And from this vat came a man known as... I, f I believe it's pronounced Vasir, but there is a K in it, but I don't speak bloody Swedish or Danish, so I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to say Vasir, who was so wise, he had all of the wisdom of all of the gods, it was said he could answer any question. He knew the answers to all. Now, one day he's travelling the lands, and this is what he did, he travelled the lands, telling... Just asking and questions asked to him and answering questions with great wisdom and he brought prosperity in his wake. Now, eventually he found his way to a seaside castle 
and met the dwarfs, Yalar and Galar. And they asked him some questions as well. They said, ah, oh, if you're so wise, what are these vats and pots called? They were free. He said, ah, oh, they're called Boon Soon and I can't pronounce this word, Oranir. And they said, do you know what's going to happen now? And he said, well, if I had to guess, I'd say you're going to kill me, um, put me in the pot, make me into some delicious mead. And they went, yep, you're exactly right, mate. And they beheaded him. And they drained Vasir's blood and made a mead from it. That A mead so spectacular, a mead of legend, that upon touching your lips you would become a poet or a scholar or a great bard of your time. But they hoarded this jealously. They invited a giant, uh, Gilling and his wife, to their castle and proposed they go fishing. However, the boat capsized, and although the dwarfs were able to make it to safety, unfortunately, Gilling was not. Now, when they returned, they broke the news to Gilling's wife, who wailed and wept with grief. <laughs> at the loss of her husband and the dwarfs proposed why don't we take you to where he drowned and you, we can be at ease in that at least and have closure so they did and they took her there and she wailed and wept and they, oh, it was horrible like the love of her life was gone forever and there was no consoling her at which point um, Galar got tired of her weeping and smashed her head with a rock and then dumped her in the ocean. However, their son, Sutinger, learned of this, of the murder, and he went to visit them, and he tied them up at a reef and waited for the tide to come in and drown them, and they pleaded and begged, don't kill us, we'll give you whatever you want, we'll give you money, we'll give you anything, we'll give you the mead we'll give you the goddamn mead man, it'll make you some sort of hero, and he went fine, I will take the mead as payment when he returned home he stored it in his mountain citadel, and his daughter Gunlod was in charge of guarding it <clears throat> now Gunlod, as formidable as she was could not help but be charmed by a man who came and the man came by way of um, Asgard for Odin himself came to collect the mead in his own great wisdom deciding nah, they don't deserve that shit I do he approached Balgi's place who is the brother of Suttinger and while Balvi's, Balgi's slaves were working in the fields, he said to him, Ah, oh, my friends, your scythes are so blunt, how would you get any work done? Here, let me show you something. And he pulled a whetstone from his pocket. He had requested upon leaving Asgard a whetstone and the drill of Lati, which is a hand drill. You know, you've got a corkscrew it, basically. And he used the whetstone to sharpen a scythe and showed them how spectacular it was. And these, these servants or slaves or workers, however you want to... It uh, depends on the telling of the story, really. They jumped and fucking bowed at his feet. Oh, let us buy it. We This will make us rich. And he said, oh, I'll tell you what. A game. I shall throw my whetstone in the air. And whoever catches it first can keep it. And he does this. 
Now, he had sharpened all of the scythes at this point, so when all the workers jumped to reach for this magnificent prize, they were able to all kill each other with their scythes by accident, because idiocy. So, Odin uh, created a new alias. Sorry about the pause there, I just had to uh, quickly double check the name that he chose. And his name was Bolverk. And he went to Balga, he's the brother of blooming old what's his face, Sutingar. And he said, Tell you what, I will do all their work for the season in exchange for a, a sip of this magnificent mead I've heard legends about. And Balgi simply said, I'll try. I'll try and get my brother to listen to reason and give you a bit. And he was like, Alright, cheers, mate. I appreciate it. You're a good guy. Now, this didn't work, and this kind of pissed off Balgi, who was like, You know what? He's, my brother's a bit of an arsehole. And he went, Well, why don't we just drill a hole in the mountain and you can. We can go steal something. You know, you and me. A little heist. Now, Balgi eventually tried to trick Odin. I'm going to keep saying it's Odin because it is. But Odin was able to turn to a snake and sneak in through the hole they had drilled. Upon which he met um, Gunlod. And he spent three nights with her. On the first night he, he cried and was like, Oh, now that I've seen your beauty in first hand, I, I, just, I don't want to be in this world anymore. And the second night he wept again. I, oh, now that I've heard your voice, I don't want to ever hear again. Like, nothing could be as great as it. On the third night, he broke down completely, and he was, now that we've lain together, just kill me, because without that mead, I don't have the words to describe you. And she was like, oh, that's, that's pretty sweet of you, mate. That's cute. Tell you what, I'll let you have three sips of my old man's mead. And Odin was like, oh, thank you. I can finally write the poem of dreams that will describe your beauty and your charm and wit to the world and we'll all love you. And she was like, ah, oh, that's still pretty sweet, isn't it? So, with each sip, Odin drained one of the three containers, which you may remember from earlier. Near um, the pots, Boon, Sun and Orinir. Something like that. Can't pronounce it. Back my life. And he turned into an eagle and flew off. And at this point, Gunlord is like, No, oh, I appear to have been tricked. Dad is gonna be pissed. And pissed he was. Sutinger learned of this. And he was like, Oh, I ain't having this shit. And he also turned into an eagle and went off in pursuit of four Odin at full speed. Coring and screeching at him, uh, promising his death. Now, Odin and wise in his planning and he knew he kind of knew this was going to happen so upon his signal the gods of Asgard brought out three huge pots they had constructed in preparation for this and from his mouth he spewed three times filling each pot but Sutin Sutinger? Yeah, Sutinger was so close but I had to sort of double think there like well, yeah, it's Sutinger isn't it it's not Surtur no that's a different kind of giant that's a yeah that's a whole different story he was so close behind that for Odin panicked and went, oh, well, time to release the bomb. And he shat in his mouth. Face, eyes, mouth, everywhere. And legend states that if a bad performer comes... If there's a bad performer, they have consumed that mead. The one that came out of Odin's anus. Whereas someone who can delight you with their musics or their tale-telling have drunk the pure 
good mead of poetry. I like to think I have had the shit one, because that was a horribly told story, but I hope you all enjoyed it, because I like telling stories, it's fun. I like, I don't know, it's just fun to tell a story. So, with that, we've done a little bit about the giants, we've done a couple of stories, I've told you a little bit about giants in general, and I hope you all enjoyed it, I hope you're happy to be here as much as I am. My English really needs work. So on that note, everyone, deep breath. If you want to get in touch, you can at letstalkfantasy93 at gmail.com. Tell me what you want me to talk about. Tell me about your problems. If you have any stories from anything like D&D you want to share with the world, fucking email in and I'll tell it, goddammit, because I like storytelling. And... As always, I really hope you're all okay out there. I know the world is a bit hard right now, but just on an optimistic note, just remember, like, it gets better. It will always get better. You can only dig a hole so deep until you hit bedrock and have to just start climbing up again. The night is darkest before the whatever. You know what I'm saying, fuckers. So, like I said before, Facebook page is up. Just told you the email address. You... I mean, there's not really anything on the Facebook page right now because I've got like four people on it who are like my friends who don't really give a shit. So, yeah, whatever. These things will come. I think the more people go on it, the more views go on it, the more content I can put on there. So, do that. Like and follow and all the other generic shit people ask you to do because, quite frankly, I like seeing little numbers become big numbers. And stay safe, everyone. Stay happy. Just be content with you. Ta-ta.